So glad that you've come tonight and wish that you and your family will have a really wonderful holiday celebration and a Merry Christmas. On behalf of our pastors and elders and all of our staff here at College Park Church, we're really, really honored that you come tonight and uh, hope that tonight helps to kind of set you in the right frame of reference for what this holiday season is all about. What I want to do is share some thoughts with you about this key thought that ordinary people like you and me need extraordinary peace that we can't get on our own. In fact, the, the entire message of Christmas is about that central reality, ordinary people and an extraordinary peace. World War I was, at the time, the worst war that the world had ever seen. They thought it was going to be the world war that would end all wars. It was brutal. Nine million soldiers, seven million civilians killed, tactics that were used in the midst of warfare that had never been used before. But in 1914, there was a moment when the fighting ceased. It was on the Western Front in the, in the country of Belgium. On one side of a field was a trench, and German forces were in that location. On the other side, trenches and British soldiers were in there. Christmas Eve, 1914, the Germans began putting candles in their trenches and lighting them and began singing Christmas carols. The British soldiers heard them singing, and they began singing Christmas carols in English, and then they began shouting Merry Christmas back and forth across this battlefield where the fighting had ceased. And then one brave soul, not sure which side, British or German, decided to do it. One brave soul got out of the trench and began walking in the middle of the no man's land between them. And another from another side came and met him there, and before they knew it, the the forces that were in those trenches now all were meeting in the no man's land and they were introducing themselves, meeting one another, exchanging gifts and even souvenirs and buttons. And for a, a short little moment, there was peace on the Western Front. However, it, it didn't last very long. A few days later, fighting resumed and the same men that were shouting Merry Christmas to one another were trying to kill each other yet again. I think that that little moment in history is, is actually a pretty accurate picture of what has been the story of humanity from the very beginning. We're just not very good at keeping peace. In fact, after World War I, they developed the League of Nations to try and be sure that no world war would ever break out again. And then just a few years later, 1939, World War II happens. And over and over throughout the history of mankind, you can see this thing play out. Essentially, ordinary human beings are not very good at keeping peace. My guess, you're probably not good at that in your own home, are you? Or you may find that over this weekend, that you're just not very good at keeping peace. You see, the reason that Jesus comes is in order to help ordinary human beings experience and receive extraordinary peace. So, there's a statement in Luke chapter two that the angels make and it's this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The reason I love that statement is you could summarize the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with that statement and I think that's why the angels said it. This statement on the part of the angels, this is the heavenly host 
comes after an angel appears and appears to the shepherds who were ordinary men doing ordinary work. It's, it's, a, it's a remarkable that the story of Christ's coming doesn't, isn't first announced to the mayor of Bethlehem. It's not first announced to the elders of the city. It's not first announced to the, the king of Judea. No, it's announced to ordinary shepherds that peace on earth would come to those on whom God's favor rests. So what I wanna to do tonight is just, in a few moments, direct your thoughts to three words that are in that statement. I think there are three really important words, three words, frankly, that have the possibility of changing your understanding of the Bible, have, your, have the possibility of changing what you understand about Christmas, and for that matter, I hope that these three words can do what they've done in my heart, and that you could experience the kind of change that I have, and that many people have, because of what it means to have God's favor rest upon you. Those three words in this passage are glory, peace, and favor. Let me unpack them for you. The first one, glory. Glory to God in the highest. Do you know what glory is? Think of the last time you were at a beach and you saw the sun set and the sun disappeared into the ocean and the hues of, of red and yellow and purple, a, a phone or a camera doesn't even capture the essence of that moment. That's that's glory. And that moment is meant to be a marker that there's something even beyond that, like something is beautiful that you're seeing, but it, it's not as beautiful as something else. Or think, for instance, if you're a, a father, the first time you held the newborn baby that came into your world so suddenly, and there you are holding the very life that you've been given. And in that sort of weeping gratitude moment, there's glory. Or think of a moment like, like I had a few weekends ago where my wife and I were going out for a fancy sort of gala event and she had to buy a, a new dress, one that she didn't even have. It had to be such a fancy evening. And she came walking down the stairs and I said, wow, that's glory, right? It's glory. Or maybe you're a parent and you go to your daughter's graduation from college and you find out that she's made not only the dean's list but has a major academic award and you're sitting there and you are so proud of your daughter. You know what that is? It's glory. Now every single one of those are little tastes of something even greater and more significant. In fact the Bible tells us that God's glory is the essence of what it means for him to be majestic what it means for him to be, to be filled with splendor, what it means for God to be incredibly attractive or for God to be the most valuable reality in all of the universe. That's why the Hebrew word for glory, chvod, means weightiness, it means importance. But the Greek word for glory, doxa, means splendor, it means majesty. What the Bible tells us is that this, this majesty of glory of God not only relates to his beauty, but it also relates to his ethics. It means that there's no, no one else in all of the universe who's as righteous or, in a word, as holy as God. And that then presents a problem for us. Because the Bible also tells us this, that human beings have fallen short of that glory. Paul said this in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That means that all those things that are small little tastes of glory, we take those and grab those and, 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 and make them about us. We, we have covetous hearts that grab a hold of those glory things and in effect we walk away from God's rules. We walk away from 
affections that are meant to be directed towards God, and instead we, we steal them for our own glory, and the Bible calls that the essence of what sin is. By the way, that's why when the angel appeared and the Bible says the glory shone round about him and he was afraid and they were afraid, the reason they were afraid is they were experiencing the distance between the glory of God and their own lack of gloriness. So glory in the highest, the angels proclaim. Why? Why do they say that? Because what is happening in that moment in Luke chapter two is the inauguration of God's plan to redeem people. And that plan is the way in which God's glory is most evidently seen. In fact, what we celebrate at this time of year, friends, is the most evident and clearest expression of the beauty of who God is. Christmas is the celebration of how glorious God is. So three words in the text, glory, second word, peace. The text says, peace on earth. Peace on earth. You know what's remarkable is that peace is something that every human being longs for. And yet the reality is we can't really grab a hold of peace. This morning in the news I saw um, sort of a reflection of 2016, of all of the conflicts, all the wars, all of the acts of terrorism that had happened globally in 2016, and it, it was remarkable. Just to name a few cities, Aleppo, Berlin, Orlando, just to name a few. The reality is, is the human race, can't, we can't hold on to peace, for that matter, you can't hold on to peace. I can't hold on to peace. I mean, how many times has it happened to you that you're out with a friend or maybe over this Christmas holiday and someone, everything will be going just great until Uncle John opens his mouth. And you're like, there went Christmas. Right? What do we say when people die? We say, rest in peace. One of the reasons I love getting up in the, early in the morning before anyone else gets up is I love the, the quietness of that moment. But invariably, the, the, the kids eventually get up, the dog gets up, the day has to go on. And for that matter, deep within the soul of every human being is this desire for internal peace. That's why there's a bit of an epidemic of people run into substances. You know why? Because they're longing for peace. And at the end of the day, tragically, when someone takes their life, you know what they're longing for? They want the pain of life to stop. You see, peace on earth? Who, who knows what that's like? Whether it's globally or politically or personally or in a marriage, peace? We, human beings can't grab a hold of that peace. And yet, the Bible, throughout the, the, the record of, of what God says to his people, is filled with the promise of peace. Let me give you an example. Numbers chapter 6. This was a, 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 called the Aaronic Blessing. This was said over Jewish people for, for, for hundreds of years. It says, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, the Lord be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Or prophet Isaiah talked about the coming Messiah and what he would bring. And he says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, here it comes, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So the hope was is that someday someone would come that would make what's 
wrong with the world right? What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world is we long for peace. We want it so deeply. We want it in our relationships. We want it in the world. We want it in the country. We want it in our hearts. We want it when we go to bed at night. We want peace, and yet we can't get it. We can't get it in of ourselves because we're ordinary people who long for extraordinary peace. And that's where the story of Christmas comes in. Because when the angel says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, he then says this, on whom God's favor rests. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, to those on whom God's favor rests. So here's the final word, and it's the most important word, the word favor. What does it mean for God to rest his favor on a people? Mm. What the Bible tells us is that this Jesus, who was born in a manger, grows to be a man. He lives a perfect life. That's the story of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. If you want to know the story about Jesus, read those Gospels. You see what he did, what he taught. And then the Bible tells us that he died. And the reason he died was so that he could make it a a sacrifice, a once-for-all payment for sin, so that anybody who would look to him and say, I believe that you died for my sins, I I believe that you died for my glory-grabbing, where I try and make myself God and and rob God of what he deserves, and I I believe that you, you died for my sins. And those who believe and trust in him, the Bible says they become new. That God does something in their hearts that they could never do on their own, and that is that God changes the thing that they could never change on their own, namely their hearts. You see, there's a piece of your soul that you can't get to, but God can. And he did through the work of Jesus. And this is the season that we celebrate that Christ child coming into the world such that the Apostle Paul says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the book of Colossians, he puts it this way, for in him, meaning in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, he's gonna bring all things to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Here's what happens. Ordinary people like you and me who have fallen short of God's glory, ordinary people like you and me who long for peace but can never get it in all of the things that we try and strive after. You think your job's gonna give you peace, the new relationship's gonna give you peace, the the change of location's gonna give you peace. It doesn't, it never lasts. Because at the end of the day what happens is there's a part of us that only God through Christ can actually change. And that's a heart. And Jesus comes into the world in order to die so that he can bring peace on earth, one heart, one life, one story at a time. If you're a follower of Jesus like I am, you know this truth, God's glory, his peace, and his favor, his grace extended to you, it changed your life. It means that this holiday season, this Christmas season, you ought to thank God tomorrow when you celebrate the birth of Jesus that this Savior who came 
You believed in him and he changed you so deeply, so profoundly, so eternally that who you are is not the same you anymore. Oh, it's the same body, it's the same voice, it's the same brain, but the reality is something within you is so fundamentally different. You love people like you would have never loved them. You hate sin like you would have never hated it before. You want to follow Jesus in a way you would have never wanted to follow him before. And there's something so fundamentally different about you because Jesus changed your heart. And if you believe that when you wake up tomorrow, you ought to say thank you, Jesus, because you changed my life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, well, friend, what we'd love to do is we'd love for you to become the kind of person who understands what it means to have Christ penetrate the deepest, darkest part of your heart and to set you free, not just from the constraints of your own behavior, to set you free from the constraints of culture, listen, but to set you free from the constraints of you. You see, the reality is that Jesus saved me from me. And he got to the part of my heart that I couldn't get to, and so fundamentally changed who I am, that his mission is to reach the deepest, darkest part of my heart and make me a new creature. To do something so deep, so profound, so significant, that when I think about it, it's a, it's a miracle. What happens is that Jesus brings to ordinary people extraordinary peace because of God's glory, because of the peace that he offers, and because of the favor that's available to us through the person and work of Jesus. And my prayer and the hope of our church is that that message about Christ changing someone's heart would go to the far reaches of the world. And our prayer also is that it land right in your seat tonight and that you would realize the beautiful truth of what I'm saying and say, I believe that. And that your heart would then be changed. Because Jesus is in the business of bringing extraordinary peace to ordinary people. And that's what Christmas is all about. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that your coming meant that we could be changed I pray that you would bring extraordinary peace to ordinary people because of your amazing sacrifice. Lord Jesus, would you help us no matter where we find ourselves tonight, whether a believer or unbeliever, whether a skeptic or a convinced person, would you help all of us to take one step closer to the beautiful story of the good news that you offer to us in your death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for the amazing celebrations that we're able to have during this season. Would you remind us of the reason underneath it all, namely your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.